Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 344, and we're talking about our top five things to do in the Champagne region of France. Oh, it's going to be so good and so delicious. Actually, I just got back from a trip to France, as you know, and I brought back a couple of bottles of champagne. So I really should have opened one and we could have had a glass of it while recording this podcast. That would have been so appropriate. That would have been wonderful. Yeah. Oh, well. The things you think of. Well, we are still here in a small town just outside of Stowmarket, and would you believe it, we have a listener who lives in a small town somewhere just outside of Stowmarket who got in touch with us in the last week or so. Yeah, so we're looking forward to meeting up with him. If you're in the region, send us an email, mail at com. would be keen to meet up. Yeah, and Stowmarket isn't too far away from London, where Linda spent a day over the weekend. That's right. So I caught a taxi into Stowmarket and then hopped on a train. I think it was about an hour and a quarter, hour and a half to get into London. So it's not particularly close. Um, it was my mum's last weekend in the UK before she headed back to New Zealand. And so for her birthday present, we wanted to take her out to a show and she wanted to see Kinky Boots, which was written by Cindy Lauper. And I thought it would include more of her songs, like the songs that we know by Cindy Lauper, but it wasn't. It was a, a story about a guy who owns a shoe factory and it's not doing very well. So he, instead he ends up manufacturing boots for transvestites. And I think it was a really good story. It was really fun. Nice. Well, the most exciting thing that happened to me was going to the Town Garden Club barbecue. Hey, don't put it down. That was and fun. That was a lot of fun. It's crazy the people that you meet. So we were sitting uh, on the same table as our next door neighbors and some of their friends. And then also on the other side of us were two people that have received uh, Queen's Honours for various things. <laughs> so it was it was quite funny sitting in the middle of this table with two quite distinct groups on either side. Yeah, and then later on we were talking to a few people and we recognized a guy who'd helped us with the pub quiz a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the woman who'd actually invited us to the barbecue in the first place. And yeah, it was just, it was just really cool. Yeah, yeah, fun evening. Well, this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by 23andMe.com. This is a genetic service that provides you with DNA reports about where your DNA comes from, from around the world. Yeah, your ancestry composition results can give you a reason to explore parts of the world that you might not have thought about and can bring a deeper, more personal connection to those places. I think that traveling based on your DNA is, is quite a cool idea, isn't it? It's a reason to go beyond just sightseeing and instead you can dive into the local culture and, you know, that culture is a part of who you are and it also helps you learn more about yourself. Well, that's what France was all about for you, eh? Yeah, probably more for my mum than for me. The reason we went to France was to go to Champagne Mercier and Mercier is a family name in my mum's family. So uh, when she got divorced, she actually took on the name Mercier. I'm not entirely sure of the exact connection with the Champagne House, but there is there is some sort of ancestral connection there. And she wanted to go and have a look at it and drink the wine. And so that's why we planned this trip. And I think it was really cool and quite meaningful for both her and for us. That's neat. Well, you can go to 23andMe.com to check that out. And also stay tuned. At the end of the show, we'll be talking about an amazing sweepstakes where you can go and be in for the chance to win a trip to somewhere that your DNA shows that you're from. Yeah, so you could win a trip to France, perhaps. Well, I'm at a bit of a disadvantage here talking about the top things to do in Epinay or in the Champagne region of France, because it's been several years since I was there with you when you were there last weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry you couldn't come. You had to stay here with the dogs and the tortoises. <laughs> but we were there, what, like 2010, I think, and we had an amazing time. We visited about six different champagne houses and, yeah, explored the region. 
But this time it was a shorter time. We only had a weekend and we only went to one champagne house. So it was interesting to think about how the trips were different and also how to create the best kind of weekend in champagne. Definitely. Well, where would we start? Well, I'd say that starting in Epinay is a good idea because Epinay is kind of the center of the Champagne region. It's a small town, but it's really quite charming. I mean, it's got a beautiful town hall and it's just a really nice place to be. Probably the best place to start, though, is the Avenue de Champagne. So it's about a one kilometer straight street that stretches from the center of town. There's a, a roundabout and the tourist offices there in the center. And it goes all the way along and ends at Champagne Mercier, which is where we were doing our tasting. All the way along, there are beautiful buildings uh, that are owned by the Champagne houses, including Moet Chandon, De Castillan, and Paul Rogier, and a whole bunch more. I think there's about 20 or 30 of them. Wow, so that's where you'll see uh, most of your big names, right? Yeah, definitely. The Champagne region is really big, and there are Champagne houses all over the region. You can drive around, you can go to hundreds of them, but this is a good place to see a lot of them all in one place. Nice. Well, I remember when we were there, we did several different champagne tastings. So I made sure to put in nice and early in the list. When you're in champagne, do a tasting. Uh, you can create your own, but wandering around Epinay, you'll see various signs for wine tastings in the wine shops, as well as being able to do formal tastings and tours at many of the champagne houses. Yeah, so point number two is to do a champagne tasting. And I think it's a good place to start to not go to the champagne houses first, but rather try different types of champagne and get a taste for the different flavors. So when we were wandering around Epinay, we just saw a sign on a wine shop door and it was 10 euros for five tastings, which I think is a very good deal. It was at Le Grand Vent de France. The thing about champagne is that it's made from three different grapes. You've got Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. This particular tasting gave us a chance to try champagnes with a different percentage of each of them. So one of them was just champagne made from Chardonnay. One of them was mostly Pinot Noir. One of them was mostly Pinot Meunier. And then we had a rosé and I think we had a brute to finish. And it was really cool. Nice. Yeah, that sounds cool. Tasting those different varieties that, that go in and, and make up the, the composition of the wine. Yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, you, like Craig said, you could create your own little tasting. You could go to the supermarket, buy a whole bunch of wine, especially if there's a group of you, you know, in your hotel. But it's quite nice to start with it being explained to you, like the different types, the different varieties. I found it interesting because I thought there would be more options like this in, in Reims. Okay, so Reims, what I learned, is actually pronounced France, but uh, because I can't really say it very well, I'm going to say it the, uh, the incorrectly pronounced English pronunciation of Reims. So yeah, we thought there would be more wine tasting options available because it's the biggest city in the region, but there weren't really. There was a nice looking afternoon tea option that had a rosé, champagne and a macaron, but we didn't end up doing it, which is a pity. Yeah, it is a bit of a shame. And I remember there were signs up for like bus tours and, and private tours around the champagne houses as well. Did did they pop up? Oh, there were heaps of them all over the place. And I think that that might be quite a good option if you're based in Reims or if you're based in Epinay and you want to get an idea of the region, especially if you're not driving. And a lot of these tours actually have tastings on board. So we saw that they had like little mini fridges and, and wine glasses and stuff. And so, <laughs> nice. You know, it seems like the guide would be talking you through the different wines while you're driving from place to place. So that seems like quite a cool idea. That's awesome. And I remember the last time that we were there doing some amazing tours of the champagne houses, going down underground into the caves, going out to one winery that had one of the very few vineyards in all of Europe that weren't affected by phylloxera. Yeah. 
That was amazing. But this time you went to Mercia and did the tour there. What was that like? It was really good. And it was pretty well priced. I didn't think it was overpriced, which was good. We ended up going on a little train as we traveled through the, the, the winery. Not a tourist train. Not a tourist train. It was like, I think it was originally used by the workers to get around the immense areas of caves under the underground. So yeah, it was quite interesting. We did quite a lot of different tours last time, and it was interesting to see the different approaches to, to a tour. Um, some of them really went into depth about how champagne was produced, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, some of them were more about the winery itself and its history, which is also interesting. So I'd recommend considering doing two different tours so you get two different perspectives, not just the one. This time we only did Mercia. Last time I think we went to six different places, but some of them were more kind of press trips because we were there on behalf of my dad, who's a wine journalist. So yeah, I would recommend choose one that's kind of a a big name, maybe a a winery that you know or that you've drunk a lot of, and then one that you might not know too much about that, uh, you know, it's a smaller house, so you can get a different perspective on that. Yeah, so do the prestige and, and do something unusual. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, nice. So definitely worth doing a tour of at least one champagne house, but they're not all the same. So check out more if you like it. But if you aren't a big fan of wine, point number four is to explore that city. <laughs> we'll keep calling it Reims, eh? Go and explore Reims. It's just half an hour away from Epinay by train, so wherever you're staying, uh, both of them are really accessible, but those train options are limited, so it's not always the most convenient. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out the train times before you plan your journey, because we were kind of half thinking about, because we were staying in Reims and we were half thinking about catching the train down to Epinay rather than driving, and it turned out the times just weren't all that convenient. So that's worth thinking about. You definitely can do it. You just need to plan your day a little bit more carefully. Uh, So as I said, we were staying in Reims and we went to the tourist office near the cathedral and picked up a Reims in your pocket map, which was absolutely amazing. It was so good. It had everything we needed on it, as well as information about the main sites. So I really like doing a walking tour of a city when I arrive. And this map gave me exactly what I needed. Apparently, there used to be a different route around the city, and this is marked on the ground. But unfortunately, it's not completely marked. The signs are a little bit out of date, and that's not the way to follow. So you really need to get the map to follow uh, your route around the city. They're apparently planning to change the signage soon, but it hasn't quite happened yet. So some of the highlights of this tour, well, first of all, the cathedral. It was built in the 13th century, and it is spectacular. I have been to so many cathedrals that I thought I was permanently cathedral out, but this one was definitely worth having a look. The French King Clovis was baptized in that location in 498. And because of this, 25 French kings were crowned in the cathedral. So next door, you can actually go and see some of the coronation artifacts, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's neat. Okay. I've, I've never been to Reims. So that sounds just fascinating. So it's a very old city then. Yeah, it's really old. In fact, my second favorite thing, well, I'm not sure if it would be my first favorite or second favorite, but... Something else that I really enjoyed on this walk was the Cryptoporticus, which is a Roman grain storage. So it was a Roman city. So it's really old. And this grain storage area, it's nothing special. It's just a big hall where they stored grain. But it's just amazing to think that the Romans were there kind of 2,000 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, And it's still in really good condition. And they have like temporary art exhibitions there. So as part of our walk, we were wandering around and and we saw the entrance and there was a girl sitting in the doorway. And I remember that when we first started traveling, if we saw someone sitting in the doorway, we'd think, oh, you know, we've got to pay to go in or it's going to be embarrassing. And I thought, no, I've done this before. I walked up to her and I said, 
uh, something in French. (laughs) I said bonjour and I asked her if she spoke English and she said yes. And she was just basically recording how many visitors were coming in and where they were from. Yeah, that's a good tip, eh? Because I remember we were quite shy about that when we first started traveling. But going up and just asking what's happening is uh, not a very New Zealand skill, but a very helpful one. Yeah, and this one, it was free to enter. There was a temporary art exhibition. It was really cool. And just outside, there was kind of um, a lowered area of the plaza, and they have concerts there. Unfortunately, there wasn't a concert there that night, but uh, yeah, it looked pretty cool. A couple of other things we saw on the walking tour was an art deco library, and there was a market, which unfortunately was closed because we were walking around on a Saturday afternoon, but they have markets on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturday mornings. And another thing was the World War II Surrender Museum. Now, this is just a small museum, just a little room, really, where the unconditional surrender of the German army was signed on the 7th of May, 1945. That's insane. Yeah. So just a a tiny little room as a museum where, you know, Germany finished the war. Wow, that's unbelievable. So from Roman times up to a one and a half thousand year old uh, cathedral where kings have been crowned for all of that time. And then really quite modern history as well with these massive events in world history. Yeah, and point number five of our top five things to do in Champagne is also about history. It's World War I history. I didn't realize, but this area was really important in World War I. As we were driving around, we kept seeing those brown signs that talk about, you know, things that happened near here, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mr. Google was very helpful in helping us learn a little bit about what they were referring to. Oh, he's quite a good tour guide, that guy. He's great, yeah. Two of the things we saw were about the Battle of the Marne, and there were the two Battles of the Marne. And we actually ended up going to the memorial to the Battle of Marne, uh, which is in Dormans. And it's this spectacular building that has a crypt, it has a chapel, and there's an ossuary as well. It's uh, located on a hill, just beautiful views out over a, a chateau. And it was really quite a meaningful place to go, I think, mm. because it commemorated the deaths of so many people. Yeah, I just found it really interesting. So it sounds like you're just driving around in your hire car and seeing things to pop into. Is that right? Yeah, more or less. We uh, arrived in Paris and picked up a hire car and then spent the night in Paris because we arrived quite late. Then we drove up to Reims the next day and uh, did our walking tour around the city and had some lunch and, yeah, just, just hung out in Reims that day. Then the next day we hopped in the car and visited a couple of these World War I sites and then went to Epinay to do our walk down the Avenue of Champagne, visited Mercia, did some wine tastings, that kind of thing. And then the next day we were thinking about going to Versailles, but unfortunately it was right over the Bastille Day weekend, so it was going to be really, really busy. So instead we did a little bit of a detour and went up to Belgium for lunch, which I think is just so cool. I mean, being from New Zealand, you can't just go over to a different country for lunch. But, you know, I had mussels and someone else had, uh, you know, some other Belgian delicacy and picked up some beer. In fact, maybe we could do that next. We could have a glass of Belgian beer. Yeah, work. yeah, we'll celebrate that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really cool. It was just a really nice weekend. And I think having a car made it a lot easier to change our plans on the fly and just go and visit a memorial or, or something like that. Yeah, well, let's finish off with a couple of practicalities then. So I know that if you are leaving from Britain like we are mm-hmm. or you were, uh, the Eurostar is available and it goes to Rome. Well, it goes to Paris and you have to change, but uh, you can buy tickets through Eurostar.com and get all the way there. Mm-hmm. I think if you're wanting to get to the Champagne region, train is a really good option. 
And if you have a URL pass, it might be worth considering using that to get there. Oh, yeah. Because um, we've talked about URL passes in previous podcasts, and it's great, but it's not great for all of Europe. But because France is a, a relatively expensive train country, it can be a really good option. Yeah, but you definitely preferred uh, the higher car in this case. I think it worked really well just to have a bit more flexibility. So if you're a group of three or four people, then it works out to be quite economical. Uh, you do need to be aware of the price of petrol. We didn't find petrol too expensive, though, but the tolls did add up. So I think you need to budget about half as much again. I think we paid about 70 euros in petrol and about 35 to 40 in tolls. So that's something to, to consider as well. Mm, definitely, definitely. And where would you recommend staying if you're going to do this kind of Reims-Epinay region? I think it depends on what your focus is. We stayed in Reims and it was nice and it gave us the chance to do this walking tour. But because champagne drinking was our focus, it might have been better to be in Epinay because then you'd be able to, you know, wander around the city, stop into a few more uh, champagne houses. My brother was doing the driving and he couldn't do the tasting, for example. So that was a bit of a pity. Mm. We had hoped to do a champagne tasting in Reims, but as I mentioned, we couldn't find one that that was what we wanted. So that was just a bit of a disappointment. So I'd recommend that if you are going to champagne, that you stay right there in Epinay. Well, that's our top five things to do in France's Champagne region. And our sponsor today has been 23andMe.com. 23andMe.com is a genetic service that provides you with DNA reports about where your DNA comes from around the world. So you can explore what percentage of your DNA comes from places like France, Italy, Finland, East Asia, Africa. And now through August 3, you could win a genetic adventure as 23andMe.com will choose one person every day for 23 days to travel to countries based on their DNA. Will you be one of those 23 people? Order your DNA kit for a chance to win a trip to explore your connection to the world and travel like never before. To enter, visit 23andme.com. That's the number 23andme.com. There's no purchase necessary. It's open to legal US residents who are 18 or older. It ends August the 3rd, 2017, so the end is coming up soon, so you better go and enter right away. You must complete the 23andme service. Visit 23andme.com slash rules for free entry. And what are we up to over the next week or two? Well, Linda went south to France. I'm going north to Scotland. This sounds almost like an episode of Outlander. <laughs> and it's your heritage. So it does feel like we're visiting our uh, our ancestral homelands. That's right. I don't know if we'll do a, a podcast all about this trip or not, because I will be there to visit family. So I think a lot of my time will be sat in lounges uh, talking about family stuff. Drinking tea. Drinking tea. Yeah. Hopefully whiskey. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know if anything uh, interesting or exciting will happen, but I'm popping up to see some of my mum's side of the family. And we're planning a longer trip in September. So hopefully there'll be some more interesting Scotland-related stuff happening later in the year. Well, if you have anything to add about a trip to Champagne, please get in touch, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com or find the show notes at IndieTravelPodcast.com and leave a comment. We really love to hear from you guys. That's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.